really think about every piece of infrastructure you add. Um, I think code is cheap, but infrastructure is not. Honestly, it's kind of like one of our mantles that we rewrite code often. But once you put pieces of infrastructure in place, they just have a they have gravity about them. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Josh Twist, who is the founder of Zooplo. And Zooplo is API management that you actually want to use at any size of company. Um, and I discovered Josh on Twitter a while ago, um, Zooplo, um, because I think it's solving a really important problem. And uh, yeah, it's so nice to uh, have you on the show, Josh. Likewise, Jack. Um, thanks for inviting me. Could you tell us a bit about Zooplo and how you got to the point of uh, founding Zooplo? I can. Um, it's a little bit of a journey, so I'll, I'll try and keep it brief, but but real. So uh, like you, I'm a, a Brit. Um, I'm now American citizen, actually, just recently um, been here for 13 years. Worked at Microsoft in the UK and then moved over to the States. And when I moved over to the States, I became a product manager and founded a number of um, products in Azure, uh, one of which was Azure API Management, um, which is a competitor to Zooplo, to put it bluntly. Um, and that was founded through an acquisition of a company called Epiphany, spelled API, beautiful name. Um, uh, credit to those folks, great team. Uh, and that was where it began. So, you know, I've been in this market, I've been looking at this market for a long time. I left and did other things. I worked at Facebook for five years or at Stripe for a little while. Um, I set a product for payment methods. So again, very API. My whole career is very developer focused um, uh, and a lot of API related work. And I remember at the time uh, I left the, the API management team at Microsoft, I actually left with a bunch of suggestions about how they can make the product much better, like really kind of turn it on its head. Because one of my observations about API management, which let me explain what it is briefly. I'll take a just a pause for a second. API management is a set of tools that help you ship and manage APIs uh, much more quickly and, and take a lot of the pain out of it. So there's a lot of players in this market, like big tools, big companies use like Apigee and Kong. Um, and um, one, of the th- one of the ways I looked at it is I actually think this market is, isn't really being attacked in quite the right way because typically API management is only used by very large organizations in the most cases. It's very expensive. It's very difficult to learn and understand. Um, and I felt like really there's a huge missed opportunity for a product that helps smaller businesses like startups even to launch an amazing API experience for their API consumers and just get that out of the box and roll it quickly. So this is a hypothesis I held for a long time, but I think there were two problems that kind of led to my manifesto for Zooplo. One is it's just too hard to to learn these tools today. Um, They don't fit neatly into the development workflow. Um, So, you know, a lot of the configuration for these things is stored in a database, which is kind of weird. I mean, imagine as an engineer, I told you you had to put lines of code in different rows of a database. I mean, you just throw up, right? So from the beginning, it was things like, hey, to make this fit into the developer workflow and make it a product they'd actually want to use, we have to make it text-based. So everything that defines the gateway can be saved in Git, right? And that enables things like GitOps and uh, a bunch of other things that we can get into later if it's of um, of interest. But making it easy and making it fit into a developer's uh, workflow is kind of one of our key key points. And the other one is it's crazy expensive. So large companies tend to use uh, these products because they can afford to. And small companies like they're not going to pay, I don't know, 
$100,000 or whatever it takes to get these folks out of bed to have a conversation with a salesperson. So in my mind, I'm like, look, if we can build a product that is that meets that easy to use bar is a pleasure for developers and is like reasonably priced. And by that, it's cheaper for a small, medium or even large business to use this than to hire engineers and do it and manage it themselves, then that's a winning proposition, right? You know, don't, you don't want to take on this, this API workload of like authentication and API keys and rate limiting on distributed, which is really hard. You, you kind of want to buy that as long as it's cost effective. And so those two things is kind of the manifesto we have for how we're going to democratize API management and make it something every business wants to use. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. And I was working on a product and I idea um, to do a chat and it was an API. And then you, you realize like there's so much like overhead to actually just, there isn't really specific at all to what you're doing, but just, you know, as you said, like the, um, having API keys and uh, rate limiting and even, you know, generating docs and all this sorts of stuff, um, that I think you're taking care of really well. And yeah, the platform super easy to use. Yeah. I, I had a, I did a recording like this yesterday with one of our customers that we're going to put on our website, actually a guy called Tom Card and he's head of engineering at, at Rewiring America, which is a cool project. And they just launched their API. And the way he phrased it is, you know, if I can buy this and it's reasonably priced, which, which you know, he says Zuplo is, um, then I can spend time focusing on problems that are unique to my problem domain. Like I don't want to reinvent the wheel and build API key management and, and do a good job of it. You know, he said, yeah, perhaps... If I put some of my best engineers on it, I can bang this out in a few weeks, but it's not going to be anywhere near the quality of, you know, what he's getting out of Zuplo. And so really it's kind of opportunity cost as well. You know, engineers sometimes love to build themselves. That's probably my biggest competitor, frankly. Uh, certainly at the small end of the market, the larger folks tend to be a bit, a bit more comfortable buying things um, because engineers love solving these problems over again. But, you know, really that's a distraction from the energy you should be putting into making a freaking great API that does whatever that API is supposed to do and not getting API. Because doing API keys well, I have an article on this I can add for your show notes if you like about like the best practices for implementing API key authentication. There's a lot to think about. Don't waste your time thinking about that stuff. Just use a solution out of the box and get it done and make know you're secure and safe. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally agree. Um, and it's like, it's just like small things, even like having your API key side by side with your docs and stuff like that. Yeah, I know that yep. you guys do, which was like, oh, that's really cool. I wouldn't do that in like a V1 of my product. But then if like, it's already there, it's like, great. We got tons of more stuff coming there as well. You know, we talk, we talk about like Stripe is the gold standard, I think still really. Um, there's some, there's some good new people coming through with really cool innovations on, on API, but, um, uh, Stripe is still the gold standard. So we talk about like, we'll give you a Stripe quality API out of the box. You know, you build your API and then suddenly we'll make that experience as good for your users as Stripe make it for those. Yeah. Amazing. And, um, in terms of like, uh, like developer experience, like, could you talk about some of the things that you've done specifically, um, beyond what we just mentioned to make that experience really good. And, and also like the kind of process that you've followed because i know you've got a lot of experience in this space yeah um so i mean some of the things we've done specifically you know it's a long list because this is that this is what good experience looks like it's like attention to detail right like I, i'm not going to list them all you know you'd see some of the arguments we have about the api design of the zuplo runtime componentry and so on but you know it's it's things like but actually what i'll explain in a second is the principles that lead us to to spend time on that um 
uh, things like, you know, GitOps. So we make it very easy, um, you know, hat tip to uh, Vercel and Netlify for kind of really mainstreaming this. Make it incredibly easy for you to deploy a gateway. You just do a push to, to, to GitHub and we'll deploy every branch as a new environment. And that is a game changer in the API management landscape, by the way. Like setting up new environments takes hours typically with other solutions. is very expensive. You will pay a lot of money for each of those environments. It's, it's, you know, we have customers with 250 deployed concurrent production environments. Um, and that's because people are collaborating and previewing. So making it easy for a developer to have an idea and then get it live and show it to a colleague is like good developer experience. Making it so that they can see the history of their changes in whatever Git tool they're using. We support GitHub, Bitbucket, GitLab, etc. Um, you know, we think that's good experience by not storing things in a database that's 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 strange. Infrastructure is code. So the fact that everything is defined as a text file means Zoopla is very self-contained. I don't have to make a long script to deploy this thing. It's like, there's my definition. Go and deploy it somewhere for me, please. And, you know, uh, those are things. And then one other thing is that's really important to me, we haven't talked about with Zoopla, is, the, is it being programmable? You know, I th- I have, I'm an engineer. Uh, I sp- I've written a lot of code on Zooplo. I've never stopped coding even when I became a product manager at Facebook and so on. It's a hobby um, I love. And nothing irks me more than when I'm using a tool, but it kind of blocks me from deploying my superpower of writing code. Um, And so many of these solutions, you know, they have a lot of built-in policies and plugins like we have as well. We have a solid list. But what's really important to us is that we expose all the power that I have as a Zooplo engineer to our users to extend the platform. And we do so in a way that, I, I'm not going to just throw shade at competitors, but a lot of solutions do, I think, do extensions very badly. Like the the API is very difficult to learn. It's unintuitive. It doesn't kind of follow. It doesn't look like things developers have seen elsewhere. So that was really important to us when we designed our programmability layer. And that would be, hey, look, this writing code here should feel like I'm writing JavaScript in a web browser or I'm writing JavaScript in Node.js and it's, I'm using Express. And all of those concepts should just sort of seem obvious to me. So we have policies that are like middleware. We use web standards everywhere. So, you know, the, the libraries and classes like fetch, request, response are all web standards that you can find on MDN. There's nothing weird or opaque or particularly Zooplo about it. So that makes it, again, makes it much easier for people to find examples, to learn what we're doing and understand what we're doing. The principles these stem from, I think, you know, one of the things I learned at Facebook um, was the power of removing friction. Um, so Facebook is a, uh, an experiment um, uh, machine. Like they run a lot of experiments and they're fantastic with data. They have fantastic tools. And so if something has a small impact on, you know, whatever the goal is that you're trying to achieve with a product release, they will be able to measure it and they can measure how that compounds over time. So if you spend time at an organization that's good at that, you, you start to see quickly that, you know what, things like removing friction from a process is insanely powerful in terms of creating a better experience for customers to the point where, it's really important when you think about prioritization. We, we all have this approach to prioritization where we talk about impacts over cost often. It's like, you know, how much impact is this big feature I'm going to have and how much is it going to cost me? And we forget to spend time on some of the little things. But we as developers have all suffered from the death by a thousand cuts problem, right? You know, you just feel the, the pain of that. My favorite example of a product that exists only because really I think what it does is remove friction is probably Loom. I'm guessing most of your listeners have seen Loom. It's a video recording app. And think about what they're doing, right? You record a video 
And you can then send that video to friends. I mean, like, so what? That's been easy for ages, right? Like I could have just opened QuickTime, done a camera recording, emailed it or uploaded it to S3 and sent the link to someone. But in that, there's actually quite a lot of friction there. You know, some of these tools aren't kind of optimized. I'd have to wait for the upload before I can send the, the recording. Um, and then I have to think about, you know, how do I permission this and a couple of other things. What Loom does is I press record. It's uploading in the background, much like, like the tool we're using right now. Um, it's uploading in the background. That means when I finish making my little note for a colleague, I can send it right away and I don't have to remember to go back after the upload is complete. And I can send them a link and I can manage my permissions. It's insane. And a whole product is just born out of removing friction. So we think about that in everything we do at Zuplo. How do we remove friction? And to the point where like the, the ideal outcome for us is using Zuplo feels like a slippery, a slippery funnel where you're going to fall into the pit of success. Like that's how we want it to feel. Like you almost can't go wrong. I mean, we haven't done that yet. I don't think we've, we've got plenty to work on, but that's, that's how we think about our goals. And then the other philosophy is, how do you enable power whilst keeping a simple experience at the beginning? I mean, I think it's pretty easy to design a product that is a simpler version of anything. Like take any product that's reasonably complex and say, I'm going to make a simpler version of that. But you're probably going to cut back on features and capabilities in the process of doing so. It's also easy to create a product that's complicated and very powerful. Like, you know, that's not too hard. But I think where you see the real art in product is can, can people create a product that is easy for beginners, but scales like step by step up to being um, super powerful, but still has that amazing onboarding experience that kind of glides me into that, you know, that bit of success that we talked about. Um, there's a great um, article about this. I can't remember the author's name, but I'll share it with you for the show notes. Um, and it talks about how building product is like building a video game or designing a video game. And so if you think about Mario, when you start, you know, you just got to kind of jump and run left and right. And it get, you know, it's pretty easy. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the easy product experience. And then the end level is like Bowser. You've got flame sticks spinning and it's real tough. But what the game designers do is they build that nice step-by-step incremental. Now, how do you do that in product? Now, I don't have a flowchart for that. I don't have like, hey, here's, here's my guide. Maybe, maybe I can probably start to condense thoughts on it over time. But maybe that's the book we talked about. <laughs> um, but but that, that's where the art comes in. But that's your goal. You know, you, you really have to try and keep both. And one of the things that's hard as a company gets bigger is, well, we're going to add this feature and you get kind of lazy. You just kind of bolt it on. But like go back, think, how is this impacting the onboarding experience? How is this impacting the complexity, the conceptual count the user has to have in their head to understand your product at the beginning? Um, so those are two real core principles to how we design what we think we're doing when we design a good developer experience. Yeah, I was actually, you kind of preempted the question I was going to ask about like, oh, I, was, I was almost like trying to come up with like something that someone might ask, but like hypothetically, like you realize like everyone suddenly wants to be able to like choose where it's hosted or something. And like, you've got to add this feature and it's like really important. Um, clearly everyone wants it. Is it like you, you know, you mentioned like not just bolting it on or, or yeah. like, how do you kind of. I think there's a couple of sort of mental exercises you can do here. One is imagine if if you were if you were designing the product from scratch again and you knew about this requirement at the time, how would you do it differently? Um, and then you know you probably when you receive a requirement like that, you probably have the most obvious one or two ways you would bolt it onto you, just slap it into your product, and then consider the product delta. You know how much better is the product I should have done before? Um, and do I think it's worth a trade-off of the additional cost to sort of redesign some things? 
Um, we often do that. Now it's tricky because we can't break customers. You know, we have large enterprises and so on. They don't like breaking changes. No, no developer likes breaking changes. Um, but we, we're certainly willing to rewrite things a lot at Zuplo. Um, we kind of have a bit of a philosophy I got from a, an old boss of mine, a guy called Vijay Raji. Um, code is cheap. Um, that, this might be an alarming concept to, to some developers. You know, they want to get it perfect and right the first time. I kind of think of it a bit like, um, you know, when the regulations change, you redesign your car. So this is a Formula One analogy. I don't know if you're a Formula One fan or anyone is, but in, in Formula One, they race these cars and then every like five years or so, they change the regulations a bit. And they, they, you know, you kind of have to redesign the car from scratch. And that must feel terrible because you, you perfected the previous car over five years. It's, you know, it's sunk costs, opportunity costs. So really it's a trade-off of prioritization like any other. But I find one of the most useful exercises is imagine if you were designing the product from scratch, how would you do it with this new requirement? And if it's a significant change, but it's significantly better than do it. Hmm. And then, sorry, maybe this is getting into the, into the weeds too much, but then would you like, if, if you were, if it was like a significant change, like how would you actually kind of go about that? Do you mean from a design point of view or like a rolling it out and like managing a breaking change kind of thing, if it's breaking, for example? I guess both in the sense of just like what, like you realize you have to completely redesign how it, uh, like the design to the end user, but then also like how you've actually like architected things behind the scenes as well, maybe. Yeah, actually, it's a good question. It's going to get, it's going to go into some new turf. Um, it's it, honestly, it's rare that, that we see some new requirement that means like completely, oh God, we got this so wrong um, that we have to redesign everything. But I'm going to caveat that with, actually with, I think that's partly because we also spend a lot of time trying to compose the whole system that is Zuplo out of the right size Lego blocks um, and make it very composable. And you know, we, we constantly uh, try to keep things very simple and make decisions that sometimes it's like, I think, hey, I think this would be more powerful if we did it this way, but it's adding complexity to the system. Um, and and the reason for that is, is that does allow us to, to make changes much more quickly if we kind of get that component right. Again, there's some some artistry to this, but but we're, we're very strict about that. You know, I think an example that I can pull from the real world is um, whatever you think of Elon, you know, I mean, I think uh, Tesla is a pretty impressive company and they're constantly simplifying, constantly making decisions that I think like the the car industry would be, you know, raising their eyebrows at and shocked at. Um, and on a marginal basis, on a line item basis, people would be like, why have you done that? But really the fact that he simplified the whole car, the whole system, uh, like one example is they just removed the, the indicator storks or the blinker storks from the car and you press buttons, right? That's because it's less components. It's less things that can go wrong. It's less things to design. It's just a touch button now on the, the yoke or the steering wheel in the, the different models. So that as a, as a single change actually caused a bit of disruption. Some customers didn't like it, blah, 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 blah. But decisions like that can really compound over time so that your, your system, your process, your ability to make a car and to change the design of that car and to uh, is is now so much more efficient that you just have a massive advantage over everybody else who's doing it the old way. So we think about that a lot in terms of the component of Zuplo that, that keeps us lightweight and keeps us flexible. Um, I think that's one of the, the key things. When it comes to rolling out breaking changes, um, it's tricky to give you like a flow chart for that. I mean, obviously you have to have a lot of customer empathy. Um, 
we we try to find ways where there are nice off ramps. We try to design like a glide slope for customers. Um, we we typically invest in tools. So, so we just did a we just did a change that's kind of breaking actually. Um, when we launched Zuplo, we knew we wanted everything to be defined in text files, and so we came up with this uh, JSON schema called a, a routes.json, and that that identified all the routes. You know, a request comes in, what do you do with it? And over time, it just became clear to us how many of our customers were very invested in open API, which is like an open standard for specifying documents. And we realized we'd probably made a mistake here and we should have, we should have just used open API and extended that format to be the routing format. And so we made a difficult decision. You know, we've got like lots of features we want to build, but like, no, we think this is so fundamental. I mean, what could be more fundamental to a gateway than its routing table, right? That we're going to go and redo it. And we spent a lot of time designing that experience. So we're now API, open API first. You know, that's that's what powers the gateway, which is really cool. Um, but of course, anyone that was using the old version, we keep them running. They're still running today if they want to. We'll keep them alive for a while. So we have like a versioning strategy there. And we built a conversion tool that will take your routes.json, run it through a CLI and turn it into an open API document. Um, and it wasn't that hard. Um, uh, but we think that, you know, has offered sort of the right experience for folks. And there's enough benefit that people are starting to want to switch over to OpenAPI now because they get a better developer portal. Uh, perhaps they're already using OpenAPI, so it now fits into their workflow. Again, this is more like fitting into their workflow. Are we customers who are using OpenAPI? I'm like, why are we making them translate this into routes.json? Let's take it. That's a good friction-removing decision we're going to invest in. It. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense And like... I can see the benefits and I really like how you, how you transition them over. And it's just, it's just really cool that you, you put so much emphasis on like, yeah, taking things out. I think there can often be this kind of tendency, almost like a race, like we need to ship this feature. We need to add more to show people how much the product's improved by like things that are like, you know, if you, if you remove something, I guess it's hard to like, kind of put that down as like oh yeah we launched this feature even though it is a huge benefit to people that you've simplified it oh yeah there's there's a great few examples here that we think about a lot as well so killing features can be hard as a business to business company and if you've got one big customer using it um bill gates used to talk about a number of products where that he hated i won't name any names at microsoft because they were these big meaty things and he wanted to kill them, but he had some of the Fortune 500 were using it, you know, but it was never going to be a big business. Um, and so he's like, it's a waste of time. Um, I think, you know, one, one chart I've seen that I like is kind of a, a histogram, a bar chart that shows percent and on the y-axis would be percentage of customers using a feature. And then on the x-axis is different features. And what you really want to see in a product is like a pretty high percentage of customers using your core features. And then maybe there's like a little bit of a tail, it drops off, but it's still a high number. What you don't want to see is like one feature and then a massive line of like two, three percenters. Because it's just the overhead of managing that. You know, it's like indicator stalks everywhere. Or blinker stalks, as they might call it in the US. I'm actually not sure. Um, That's why I live in here. Um, That's a nightmare. And I think you watch products die as a result of that. And so the example I'll give you is Zoom versus Skype. So Skype got to the point where you know, it was a similar thing as Zoom, right? Should have should have just owned the, when COVID happened, it should have just owned everything. Um, but it had added a billion features that nobody used that was like maintenance and drag. 
and they didn't spend time focusing on the most important feature, which is the quality of the audio and the latency, which is what how Zoom came in and beat them. So if you think about your product and that adoption, like, you know, look at these features or if you're adding a new feature, think really, am I going to get this high on the adoption cycle that makes it worth maintaining? And if not, don't build it, spend that time improving your core feature because that's where you're going to get your, come in and get your butt kicked. Um, so we, we think about stuff like that a lot as well. Um, we killed, I, I like killing features. It's my favorite thing to do. We killed some stuff recently, some experiments, you know, we, we, we worked with a customer on it. Um, uh, very transparent with them and agreed, look, I don't think this is the right way for this thing to work. So, um, we'll help you do it a different way. And we're going to, we're going to shoot this thing in the face. That's an aggressive analogy, isn't it? <laughs> That's the episode title. There you no. go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. I think like everyone, I I'm thinking about this, like, I think especially some people, myself included have this kind of tendency for like loving new things, like finding it really easy to, to just like see this thing over here, like, oh, that's new. Like this might change everything Yeah. instead of like, what can sometimes feel a bit more boring because it's like if you're getting an incremental improvements over time on like the core thing that you're really good at it's maybe not as exciting but as you said it's like why people will switch it yeah it compounds that's the thing like um again credit to vj raji an old boss of mine at facebook who used to talk about this all the time like he'll take lots of one percent wins over taking shots at like the 50 percent win you know because because they're easier to land and you get a few of those and they com- very quickly compound over time. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And um, one thing that you're, uh, you have this like kind of talent for making videos, uh, it seems. <laughs> I've been, Thanks. I discovered you through Twitter. I think I posted about like looking for, I didn't know what I was looking for, but something to make it easier to build APIs for dev tools that like, you could put out in the world and have like the auth and all that. And someone shared the video that you made for super based customers. Mm. Um, so I guess there's two questions is one is, uh, partnerships and two is content and kind of wrapping that all together. I'd love to hear what you've been doing. Okay. So let's do partnerships first. Um, there's a bit of a saying about partnerships actually that I like, you know, we're a small business at this point, you know, we're not a Microsoft or something. And, and I get approached a lot by partnerships from other small businesses I tend not to do them. I wouldn't recommend them. I'll, I'm not going to say, well, the saying is two turkeys don't make an eagle. You know, uh, like that's a huge distraction. Now I'm not saying Zooplus a turkey. Of course it's not. It's a, it's a young eagle about soon to soar with the other eagles of the world, of course. But you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Um, Superbase is, you know, certainly closer to eagle status. Uh, they've done an amazing job on, on distribution. Um, the focus there really was, um, well, I'll, I'll start from another way. One of the way we got some of our first customers, uh, as Zoopla, was sending out cold emails, actually. We just tried it. We hit some people at the right time. Uh, really proud of those stories, actually, because of the sponsorship we managed to win from certain people. But that's hard. Um, to use like an analogy, sending cold emails to people who are thinking about API management or adopting a platform, I mean, it's just like blindfolding yourself and shooting arrows into the woods and hoping to hit some prey. You know I mean? Yeah, we got lucky twice, but it's really hard. I should preface, I'm a vegan, so I don't know why I'm using hunting analogies, but <laughs> <I shouldn't laughs> let's stick with it because it works. <laughs> um, so 
So, so the way we thought about it is like, well, this is just going to be too hard to work. You know, we, we can't email everyone in the world. We're going to get spam blocked. Is how do we lay tripwires in the woods where we think people that might be interested in API Gateway are going to run? <laughs> Trust me, I'm not, I don't mean to shoot my customers or trip them up, but <laughs> you know, how do I catch their attention is really what I'm thinking about. And we looked at all sorts of things. So, you know, we sponsor some uh, rate limiting projects. So it's rate limiting. Our rate limiter is like a really advanced feature in Zoopla. If you're thinking of doing rate limiting, I'm just working on an article about this right now. You know, we run a rate limiter distributed at the edge. We can do custom rate limits. So your, your free customers get different rate limits to your premium customers and things like that. So we sponsored a bunch of rate limiting libraries and mentioned that, hey, look, this is a cool library, but if you want to do this fully managed and not think about deploying it and managing Redis and blah, 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 We'll do it for you and you'll be done in like a day, you know, less than hours, uh, honestly. Um, we did that. We have developer documentation. So we sponsored some developer documentation related sites. So we thought of that as laying tripwires. And, and on that theme, I was, I'm really interested in the idea of like, you know, developers who are very small scale, loving Zooplo as well. So like hobbyists and, and folks really starting up with just an idea. They're not, maybe they've not fundraised or, um, um, or they're very early. And I'm like, where would they be starting to build? Where would they be spending time? And obviously Superbase is a big thing for that crowd I've just described, right? And Superbase is an awesome product. Love it. Love the, I've met the, the founder, Paul, a great guy. Um, they present an, a Postgres API, but it's not kind of like enough of an API to be API first, right? Like, you know, you can't sort of ship that and say, I'm now Stripe. So the, I realized the combination of Zooplo plus Superbase is like, oh, people can have like a Stripe quality experience over the Superbase backend. And so let's go lay some tripwires and see if people come. And it's been pretty successful for us, actually. We've got some great customers from, and uh, some great friends like yourself, Jack, um, through that work. We're going to do more, you know, we'll, well, I'll leak some secrets, but, you know, we'll probably do some Firebase stuff and um, similar. So I, I'm always thinking of like, where, where will potential customers that would love Zooplo, where will they be hanging out? Let's go and get their attention. That was the partnerships thing. Sorry, what was the other question? Yeah, that's great. Um, really great answer. Yeah, I guess I got caught in your tripwire. Yeah. So the the other one was about the videos, um, and oh. because you your videos were they're really good. Well, thank you. Um, I, I gotta be honest. I'm a little less. I've got a little less. I've practiced. I've done this a lot over time. I've got a, so experience. You know, I, I love um, uh, Harry Stebbings from Twenty VC. Uh, it's a great podcast. If if you're into startups and, and and business and venture, it's awesome. But I think I think the reason I bring him up here is nothing to do with that. Is he just talks all the time about like you just got to start making content and practicing and doing it. And I uh, I agree. Uh, so I started a long time ago. Recently leaned in. I take it fairly seriously. So I, I do invest in like decent equipment. I've got like a nice mic and you know the sure headphones here, so I can hear what's going into the mic. Hear my own voice. Um, wanted the background to look cool. So we got like the Zooplo logo merch <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I think, I don't know. I think a little bit lucky. I, I honestly, I get accused of the British accent being a big factor, Jack. I don't know if you get that, but uh, if you look at my Twitter profile, it says the accent takes all the credit. Um, um, but it does work. I'll be honest. So, um, I think some of our early videos were pretty trash. Honestly, if you go onto our channel, Zooplo channel, you'll find some of our old ones. Like the, the form factor is not right. It's square. Cause I thought everyone was watching on their phones and I did a bad job, but just kept getting better. And we weren't getting many views, honestly. Um, and I think, and I think that's quite disheartening, but you really do have to just keep sticking at it. Um, and you will get better as a result of that art. You'll get faster. You'll get more efficient. 
So, you know, I'm going to steal the name of your editor to help me, but I, I edit the videos myself right now and I've got pretty quick at it um, and notice what I like. Um, I also watched a lot of content and said, what do I like about this content? Um, and uh, try to sort of copy that. Um, I, I like to reduce a lot of the noise. I don't, you know, uh, the favorite my favorite thing is when you go to a YouTube video and you're trying to solve a problem and you get five minutes of, Hey, you guys, I'm like, get to the freaking point. So I try and do that, um, quickly, but yeah, those, I I don't have a master plan on that, honestly. So I'm quite flattered that you would say. Yeah, I think it's really good. Um, yeah, for those listening, maybe check it out. I think it's like a really good, uh, example of good developer videos. Actually, So I think it's a year over a year since we started doing videos and we'd get like 10 views, seven views. And it almost gets to the point where you're a little bit ashamed to put it out there or ask someone to come on a show because you're like, my numbers are so low. Um, but actually people are nice. Actually, I've, we've not, no one's ever said anything about that. And then it starts to build. And like we did a video not long ago and I hadn't had my eye on it until someone told me and it, you know, it just crossed, you know, I think three, 3,150 views. And so we're going to keep going. Just keep going. I'm sure it's going to get better. I've got more ideas now. I'm more inspired by seeing what's taking off because I've put more content out there. I'm like, oh, people like that. People like this. So you just got to be in the game, really, I think. Yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, really good point. Yeah, just sticking with it. I think that's all we've got time for, Josh. Um, but one of the things we've got, we've started doing is takeaways. So I wonder if you've got any TLDRs, TLDLs for our listeners. TLDL, what does that stand for? Too long, didn't listen. Too long, didn't listen. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if it quite works on this format, but I feel weird saying TLDR. (laughs) TLDR. Um, So Zuplo, API management you actually want to use, whether you're a large company, we have large customers and small customers. Um, uh, Startups are using us to sort of get a Stripe quality experience and ship their API real quick. Like honestly, the fastest I've done it is two hours, but people are now able to get an API out in a week and not worry about, API key auth and docs and rate limiting and it's programmable. So all that stuff. Um, uh, Some of our thoughts on product, I think are, you know, if you're out there building a product, really think about uh, removing friction and how you can do that. Um, uh, One other thing to to, to listen to actually is um, Brian Chesky of Airbnb talks about building an 11 star experience. I love that, that thought experiment because, you know, you go through each star, you step up, What's a five-star experience using a gateway? What's an 11-star? Well, that's Jeff Bezos shows up and does it for you. You know, um, uh, Now, it sounds silly. It gets real silly at 11 stars, but it suddenly makes the five-star conversation seem reachable. You know, And so you go and build that. So I love that. Um, uh, simplifying. Uh, if building a product, like really think about every piece of infrastructure you add. Um, I think code is cheap, but infrastructure is not. Honestly, it's kind of like one of our mantles that we rewrite code often. But once you put pieces of infrastructure in place, they just have a, they have gravity about them that, you know, sort of builds dust and particles and what are, what do we call those things flying around the earth that are taking things out? So avoid that. Um, um, yeah, those are some of the things. Late trip wires, don't shoot blindly into the woods. <laughs> yeah. And um, where can people learn more about Zuplo and about yourself? Yeah, so zuplo.com, Z-U-P-L-O. Um, that's the website. You'll find everything you need on there. You can sign up free trial. We have a, a fully free tier. So you get, you know, I think 250,000 API requests per month and access to the full product on that. Uh, we have some customers kind of in production on free, um, uh, which is fun. 
Um, and me, uh, probably on Twitter at Josh Twist. Pretty easy. J-O-S-H-T-W-I-S-T. Amazing. And uh, yeah, if you're thinking about building a dev tool um, and you want to ship something fast, I definitely think it's worth checking out Zuplo because yeah, it can make things way easier. Thanks so much for joining, Josh. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, folks. <laughs>